0: We'd like to warn our listeners that this episode deals with topics of abuse, addiction, and death.
1: Hello and welcome to your spiritual awakening.
0: We're here to teach you the word of Godney and all about the legendary Miss Britney Spears. You're listening to episode 2, God's Gift. Okay. Hello, everybody. This is our second episode. We are ready to record feeling a little bit less awkward. I'm already in my free Britney shirt. Corinna, how are you feeling? I am feeling great. I'm ready
1: to learn about Britney. Teach me, senpai. (laughs) I said we were less awkward,
0: but I don't think we are. I think we're equally as awkward, but it comes with time. So again, bear with us. I kind of want to have this running segment of Britney favorites before we get into into the the juice. So I want to ask you today. Last time it was, "What's your favorite Britney song?" Right. This week it's going to be, "What is your favorite Britney performance?" Oh, well, I feel
1: like that one for a lot of people would be the Snake. The snake at the VMAs.
0: Yeah, the I'm a slave for you. I'm a slave,
1: so that might be mine.
0: Okay, I I definitely love that performance. It's one for the books, absolutely. It's iconic, but personally, my favorite is probably... I think it was like an ABC special that she did. It was also Slave for You. I think she also did Toxic and Breathe on Me. We will put these performances on our website... So make sure to check it out. The link will be in our show notes. Also, another note, I want to thank everybody so much for listening. We didn't expect to have listeners in Japan and Greece, Bolivia, but shout out to you guys because here you are and it's pretty amazing to see that people actually want to hear what we have to say about Britney and also shout out to Harley because i forgot to say say this in the first episode but she definitely inspired me to start this podcast and she pushed me to do it thanks harley you're you're the best and we love you we do we love you all okay so let's get into the mess all right because it's a mess I hope you're ready for how fucking messy this is. Even messier than last episode. Abso-fucking-lutely. Oh, all right. Starting with Lynn's book. If you guys recall from the last episode, it's Through the Storm. It's sort of a memoir. And we left off when Brittany was born. Lynn writes, quote, She was and is a blessing, God's gift to me and her father. Lynn loves calling people God's gifts. Brittany's cousin, Laura Lynn, was born around the same time, and Lynn describes them as, quote, twins, end quote, and Laura Lynn is Sandra's daughter. Apparently, they had a very strong bond. Both Laura Lynn and Brittany, and Brittany and her aunt, Sandra, Laura Lynn's mom. Steve Dennis describes auntie sandra as britney's second mother and her her rock i guess aunt sandra was always there for britney and we'll see this in later episodes but i do want to i wonder where laura lynn is right now right like what is she thinking how does she feel about this situation we know for sure as lynn says that they were super close when they were younger and it's i kind of have the same question for everybody who was in britney's life were they pushed away by jamie were they threatened I know certain people were threatened for sure with, I'm not sure what exactly, but someone said they feared for their life. We'll talk about that in upcoming episodes. Where are they? What are they doing? What do they think? Do they want to save her? Do they think she's, do they believe what Jamie and her management and her team are saying about her? Because if they were so close and they had such a special bond, you would think that Laura Lynn would have tried to help her out. And of course, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but it's just something to think about. And just to clarify, I don't actually think Laura Lynn is part of team conservatorship. I just think that... Well, I don't think anything. I don't actually know. That's... I have questions. I just have questions. So Lynn also says, quote, I always like to think about me and my sister and our little girls as being the four points of a square, sturdy and indestructible, end quote. I don't really... (laughs) Do you understand that? Mm,
1: I thought a triangle was the strongest shape, so <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> but that's a very nice sentiment.
0: Geometry. Geometry. You know your geometry. I um, do. It's it's an interesting quote and I think that it points to how much pressure Britney was under to always be strong. To be, as Lynn says, sturdy, indestructible, right? And this is a this is a running theme in the book, and well, in Brittany's life, Lynn describes these as being the best years of her life. I'm guessing when Brittany was a a little kid, we'll see about that. But the best years of Brittany's life? No, no, no. The of best her year? Own life? Yeah. Okay. So the best years of Lynn's life, and then we find out that Lynn is a poet so Brittany is not the only poet in the family and yes Brittany is a poet is she yes she is and i guess she gets it from her mama so we got this poem and this poem is about jamie every time i look at you i see bittersweet memories of you and me is that the poem that that's the poem okay (laughs) well that's uh it's short and sweet yeah bittersweet oh oh now we're going to inside the dream steve dennis says that when brittany was eight months old i thought this was really cute she got her first headline as baby of the week
1: (laughs) baby of the week
0: baby of the week her first headline at eight months old she was born to be a star she was destined for fame he also says that Lynn saw Brittany as an accessory and companion before she saw her as a child. Now, this is obviously all conjecture. We, th- this is not a fact. This is just Steve Dennis's opinion. He also spoke to a psychotherapist who is apparently relatively well known and has many clients in Hollywood. Take this with a grain of salt, but the, they say, quote, when people don't have a sense of self, they tend to objectify others, and babies can be viewed as dolls to fulfill a parent's need to be merged with their child and to be in control of love, end quote. All right, in Witnessing a Miracle, and that's the the next chapter of Through the Storm, Lynn talks about how she owned and operated a daycare, so like Brittany, she loved children, and Brian, at this point, was now nine, Brittany was four, and Brian had a seizure when he was at school, and he fell into a coma. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear is right. <laughs> Pretty horrible. Lynn says she, quote, died a thousand deaths, end quote, while Brian was being treated and airlifted. And she asks, quote, can you imagine what that felt like to see my unconscious son lifted in the air without me, end quote. That's rough. Oh, it Certainly. is. It is, and it reminds me of Brittany in the ambulance in 2008. Just to point that out, that I think Lynn is maybe drawing a parallel between these two situations and not necessarily explaining herself or her actions regarding what happened to Brittany, but maybe defending herself in a way or showing that she is a good mother she you know felt horrible while Brian was being taken away so she must have felt horrible when Brittany was being taken away and there was a prayer chain organized for Brian when this all went down they were extremely or are it's hard to say Lynn claims that they're spiritual and not so much religious but they have very strong ties to Christianity. Brittany actually kept a prayer journal.
1: What's a prayer chain?
0: I don't know. I think it's when you a bunch of people pray. Huh. Yeah, so Brittany was told to have discussions with God and to confide in her pastor. So it sounds pretty religious to me. So back to Brian, poor Brian. When he was released, quote, we brought our son home, never to take his life or the life of anyone we loved for granted again, end quote. Everything in this book, including this quote, obviously, has a purpose. She's trying to show the reader how much she cares for her children, why she took such drastic measures with Brittany, right? So the reason why, in my opinion, she's sharing this stuff about Brian is to give context for what happened in 2007 to present day. Which to defend. Is, sorry, which is Britney's like when Britney shaved her head? No, I'm not talking about Brittany's actions. I'm talking about Lynn's actions. So Lynn wants to defend to... I Not only the reader, but she said... Remember she said at the beginning that she wanted to... I forget. It wasn't make up for her failures, but... Yeah, I re- remember. Remember she talked about wanting her children to forgive her. Forgive her, yeah. For her failures and shortcomings as a mother and... That's what I think she's doing in, I mean, obviously this whole book is about that for Mm -hmm. the most part, but especially sentences like this one really just remind you of her end goal of the book. So Brian seems to be every parent's worst nightmare. He had a dirt bike accident when he was eight. So first he has a seizure, which obviously he can't control. And then he has a dirt bike accident, which reminds me of Jamie Lynn's daughter, who this happened way after Through the Storm was published. But Jamie Lynn's daughter had a dirt bike accident as well. Maybe it was not dirt bike, but it was a sim- similar sort of vehicle and similar, I guess, accident. Oh, okay. It was an ATV. Right. I remember that
1: when she like flipped into a pond or something.
0: Yeah. These people, uh, maybe should stay away from dirt bikes. Yeah, or, you And know, also, kids who are eight years old are not supposed to be operating dirt bikes. Exactly. I think Jamie Lynn's daughter was actually the same age. Well, I don't think you should have eight-year-olds around dirt bikes, so... But Brittany's the one who can't take care of her sons. Anyway, Lynn says, quote, I never knew what was going to happen to Brian on any given day, end quote. And the... Everyone in the Spears family is wild. Why are these kids, why, what the hell? I mean, come on, lady. He's eight years old. I mean, how do you not know what he's going to do? I couldn't even ride a bike till I was 11 years old. <laughs> okay, well, that's a... But that's another story. I have no comment on that. Now, this is interesting, and it it goes back to the whole religion thing. Quote, no one knew what was wrong with Brian, and at first no one knew how to treat him, but God knew, and that day he listened to the prayers of his people, our friends, family, community, and church members, and I'm guessing even total strangers, and answered by preserving our, my son. End quote.
1: Preserving him?
0: Yeah. Well, this is the second time that Brian almost died. I'm not talking about the dirtbag accident. This is referring to the, the seizure and the coma. But remember, he almost died when he was a baby. So this is the second time that God preserved Brian. The next chapter, called The Other Woman... But right before reading this, I was like, oh shit, he cheated again? I didn't know that. But no, The Other Woman actually refers to alcohol. Because... Jamie started drinking again after being a, quote, wonderful husband and father for five years, end quote. But remember, last episode, Steve Dennis claimed that Jamie had started drinking right after Brittany was born. So I'm not exactly sure what years Lynn is referring to when she says four or five years But it kind of seems like he always had a drinking issue. And she says he started drinking, quote, too much, end quote. Maybe she's downplaying how much he was drinking in the beginning. And maybe it just totally got, you know, way worse after a few years. But I just thought that that was interesting. She continues in her book to downplay Jamie's issues and sort of protect him. But why does Jamie act like this? Like, why is he an alcoholic? So, Lynn says in her book that there's no trigger that pushed Jamie into drinking. She doesn't know why it happens. And you know, for a lot of people, it just it just is, right? I mean, it can be a genetic thing, if I'm not mistaken. But for Jamie, Dennis's theory is that it was fatherhood that triggered Jamie's drinking. Because his two first spirals in those early years coincided with the births of his first two children. So, why fatherhood? Well, when Jamie's mom was 31, she shot and killed herself on the grave of her dead baby. Oh my god. Yeah. So how old was he then? He was 14. <gasps> oh, That's yeah, so sad. Yeah, I know. I feel bad for 14-year-old Jamie. And it's okay to feel bad. For 14-year-old Jamie. Yeah, of course. That was way before the horrible shit that he's pulling now. And the psychotherapist in in the Inside the Dream says that Jamie felt unlovable and unworthy after this. He associates love with trauma and equates birth with death. Again, take that all with a grain of salt because this is not Jamie Spears's therapist. Lynn describes Jamie as... Quote, reckless, sometimes mean, absent, end quote. She tried really hard to control his drinking. Like she would tell him, oh, why don't you drink on this day only? Or only drink when I'm around. Or only drink this specific type of alcohol, right? So she tried to control and limit his drinking that way. She says it was, quote, classic codependent behavior. I reacted to Jamie's disease with a diseased pattern of conduct myself, end quote. So she enabled him by making excuses for him and pitying him and she recognizes that which I thought was really interesting she takes responsibility for how she handled the situation and you know it seems it seems to me like she thinks she could have handled it much better He at this point was totally neglecting the gym he was overspending Lynn had to make many calls to keep electricity on and struggled to put food on the table And we'll learn from Dennis that the situation was actually even worse than that. Her kids will call her out on her denial of how far gone Jamie was. Which I thought was just so sad. I mean, little Brittany and little Brian trying to tell their mom to, I guess, face the facts regarding their dad and his shit behavior. And she describes it as, quote, destructive love. End quote. This is the model that Britney has grown up. It's sad. All right, so this incident is a little bit crazy as well. It was Jamie's grandmother's birthday, and they had planned to go out to a pizza buffet to celebrate, but Jamie was drunk, and Lynn sort of snapped, I guess? She took his alcohol cooler out of his truck and then shot his cooler, like with a gun. With a shotgun. I yeah. wonder I don't know what that would accomplish. And this was right next to their health spa. Ooh. Or their gym. God forbid. And there were there were members there. Oh my god. And she is just shooting up her husband's cooler. And she probably just like
1: kept it all in and then exploded one day.
0: And after all this, they just packed up and went to the pizza buffet. Oh no. <laughs> She says she wishes she had the strength to walk away, but quote, a mother has to do whatever it takes to keep things from crashing and burning for her family. And quote. Again, whatever it takes. We keep getting this from Lynn, the exact same sentiment that whatever it takes, I am going to keep this family together. And if that means putting up with Jamie's behavior, then so be it. And putting my kids through hell. Quote, our children saw far too many knock down, drag out fights between their parents. End quote. I think one is probably one too many. Yeah. So Steve Dennis talks about how at one point, Jamie's brothers, Austin and Willie, moved into a treehouse that he had built for the kids, which I thought was kind of funny. You can tell they're from rural Louisiana, right? <laughs> I kind of wish I lived in a treehouse. Okay. Okay. So, Austin and Willie actually ended up witnessing a lot of fights and abuse. And Jamie's friend, who was, I suppose, also there for a lot of it, said that it got, quote, nasty at times between Jamie and Lynn that they, quote, were always at each other's throats, fighting like mountain lions, end quote. Of course, that was traumatic for the kids, and we get some more details from Brittany's aunt, Chandra. So this is not Aunt Sandra. <laughs> this is Chandra, who married into the family and actually divorced Brittany's uncle. So she's no longer a part of the family. But she says that Brittany would stay with Chandra a lot to get away from her dad's drinking. And Dennis says that the verbal abuse had forced Brittany to become, quote, quiet and withdrawn until she had to perform, end quote. So it's already starting to affect her, right? Kids are very receptive to everything around them, right? They're not stupid. And it affects them. So she she became very, very shy. Actually, she was so shy, she wouldn't sit on Santa's lap. And you wouldn't understand that from the performer that she became and is today. Austin, Jamie's brother, said that he would stick up for Lynn when Jamie would scream at her, and that the kids clung to Lynn for safety. So another incident that happened at a crawfish boil, Uncle Willie, that's Jamie's other brother, describes how, quote, Jamie was drunk and then tried to drive off with Brittany in the car. She was no more than five years old. I tried to stop him, so I reached into the truck to grab the keys from the ignition, and he punched me. We got right into it there by the car, fighting in front of her. Brittany was jumping up and down, crying. Lynn had to run out to get her inside, End quote. So sad. Yeah, it's horrible. So the psychotherapist says that Lynn and Jamie were so invested in the fighting in each other that they actually ended up neglecting the kids. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious, right? We didn't really need the psychotherapist to tell us that, but I I thought I would include it anyway, just to validate what you're all probably thinking. And Brittany and Brian would witness their mom giving Jamie chance after chance. This is going to affect their relationships growing up. So Willie claims that Brittany would, she would cry when she was little, when her parents were fighting, and as she got older, she just started ignoring it, and then when she got even older, she would just scream at them and curse at them to stop. She's getting involved in the fights. And the psychotherapist theorizes that Brittany always felt like she was, quote, living on the edge, end quote, and that children who have to live on the edge like this all the time grow into, quote, impulsive individuals with little concept of consequences, suffering from low self-esteem, great anxiety, and trust issues, end quote. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that Brittany has or had those problems, but that's just what the psychotherapist thinks, and it also creates lots of resentment, right? I mean, obviously, if your parents are acting like that, you're gonna resent them, especially her dad. I just thought this was kind of funny. I didn't really know where to put this, but Jamie's friends say that He deserves compassion Hmm. and not judgment. And not judgment. Right. And that quote, no one more than Jamie knows that he messed up, but he believes God gives people second chances. He's a decent stand up guy who refuses to deal in bad business and doesn't really care what people think about him, end quote.
1: I think he had a lot of chances and he blew them all.
0: Oh, yeah. So I don't know what he's talking about. Forever. I have I think that quote speaks for itself. I don't think I have to yeah. comment on it. So that's how Britney grew up as a little child with her parents constantly arguing and being violent towards each other, especially her father abusing her mother. Her and her mom were very very attached at the hip, according to Lynn. And it got to the point, even when she was at gymnastics, she had to see her mama through the observation glass or she would start crying. So she had to see her mom at all times. She, I mean, remember they said the kids clung to Lynn for protection. So this carried through even outside of the home. And you know, my heart just breaks for Brittany right now because her mom totally abandoned her. Like without a doubt, when she was really going through it, her mom abandoned her. And I just think of the little girl at gymnastics looking for her mom, and it just makes me so sad. Ugh. Sorry for the bummer, guys. I mean, (laughs) Brittany won trophies and medals in gymnastics. She was really, really fucking good. I mean, she's good at everything she does, so I'm not surprised, but from ages six to nine, her coaches were actually convinced that she had the talent to go all the way to the Olympics.
1: Damn. So she's always been a performer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, she has. But she actually quit because it wasn't as fun as performing, dancing, and singing. And you know, I can see that. Yeah. And Jamie and Lynn supported this reluctantly, right? They didn't necessarily want her to quit because they thought that she could make it. But at the same time, they were kind of like, okay, she's multi-talented. If this is what she wants to do instead, then let's just let her do it. And despite her many wins at talent shows, she was, quote, always humble and impeccably well-mannered, end quote. Charming, charming southern girl. So, remember the Jamie poem? Now we get a poem about Brittany. Are you ready? Yeah. Sometimes when I see that sparkle in her eye, it makes me sad. I want to cry. Cruel world, turn away. Spare my little star. Let her wit and charming beauty go very far. So she she's not saying she wrote these poems now. She's saying she wrote these poems back when Brittany was a little. Do we buy that? Do we buy that? Because this is kind of prophetic in a way, right? Yeah, it definitely is. Why does the sparkle in her eye make her sad? I don't know. That's why I don't necessarily buy that she wrote this yeah. before. Or maybe she did, but they sort of tweaked it. Now, Britney liked playing with baby dolls over Barbie dolls and was a quote, nurturing soul from the start, end quote. I thought it was interesting that Lynn points this out, and it again makes me so sad for Britney right now, considering she is unable to have children. All she wants is another baby. If you got that reference, then you're a true Britney fan. So as we know, Britney loved to dance, her mom signed her up for dance lessons at the age of two, and I just want to know, where are they getting the money for this stuff? Seriously, I mean, the fact that they didn't have food on the table? I mean, what, it was even worse than that. Steve Dennis claims that they were, quote, financially desperate, end quote, and that Brittany would find the fridge empty, and Jamie would have to hunt for their dinner in the woods. So they were eating squirrels. And Brittany has confirmed this herself, that they ate squirrel because they were so poor. Now, I, I do want to clarify that the Spears family actually hid how poor they were when Brittany became famous. But this, even Lynn in Through the Storm, she definitely says we struggled, but she doesn't talk about how poor they actually were. And not just Brittany, Brian. Sorry, Brian as well. Jamie, like I said, had neglected the gym. Lynn had to, quote, beg and borrow money from friends to keep afloat, end quote. And Jamie would be playing poker, which he often lost at, real bad. And then he would drink to recover from his loss. So it's a great cycle. Brittany just kept on keeping on, though. She would perform at friends' houses or her uncle Sonny's house. That's Lynn's brother. From the age of three, they would say, I thought this was cute, Quote, go on, Brit Brit, show 'em what y'all can do. End quote. Aw, she should put that in the song. Her dance teacher from childhood described her as quote unusually driven, focused, and a perfectionist, end quote. And her aunt Chandra described her as quote a model child, end quote. She was perfect on the outside, according to these people. Right? On the and I do wanna emphasize on the outside. However, she would, quote, write out scorecards and judge her own performances and was her own worst critic, end quote, at such a young age, too.
1: That's hardcore.
0: Yeah, that is hardcore. It kind of reminds me of myself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Lynn argues that Britney was the best. She was the leader. And you know what? I believe it. She got her first solo at age four and in a... Interview with Oprah in 2002, she says that she knew Britney was special at four, but, quote, started really seeing star quality, end quote, when she was seven. And in the interview, she also claims that she didn't expect, quote, this, end quote. I don't really know what this refers to. I think it means her superstardom, but knew that she would be in the entertainment business. And in Through the Storm, she, she says that she imagined Britney as a TV newscaster. Could you imagine?
1: I could. I could totally see her doing that.
0: I think I would watch the news every day if it was Britney. No matter what she was talking about. She could be talking about news in Kentwood and I would watch it. As we know, she sang from the time she was a toddler and people would tell Lynn that Britney was, quote, Broadway bound, end quote. Lynn implies that she felt pressure to help her gifted child achieve something. So what do we think? Do we think that she actually felt pressured or do we think that it was all Lynn? Lynn was driving this. She didn't need pressure from anybody. She wanted this really bad for Brittany. She's trying to get rid of this stage mom persona that's been cast on her by the media, right? So that's why she's saying stuff like this. And honestly, I have no clue. Based on how they're profiting off of Britney right now, allegedly. I think that it was both. I think she probably felt pressure from people like, her coaches. But at the same time, I think that Lynn was motivated enough herself to do these things for Britney. And then she says that when she was at Britney's lessons, she would rather have been at home. Okay. That's <laughs> a little rude. again i think it's just her trying to shed the stage mom persona oh i see steve dennis writes that britney was a daydreaming introvert and friends say that she was quote always different end quote her favorite books were the ramona books by beverly cleary same we have that in common i absolutely love those books and at age five she would sing mariah carey whitney houston and madonna I want to point out that people in Kenwood did not listen to Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, and Madonna. You know, they're they're listening to Dolly Parton. They're not listening to Madonna. That's for sure. And she would sing in front of her dolls and her stuffed animals in the bathroom. She would put on little performances for them, right? She would also go to the gym that her parents owned all the time. And she would change the music from whatever they were playing to pop music. And she would just start dancing around or she would go to the steam room and she would practice her opera notes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In the steam room.
0: Isn't that adorable? Yeah. But her mom and brother would tell her to shut up and keep it down.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's understandable, I
0: guess. (laughs) When she was five or six, she wanted to stay in competition at Dairy Days, a local festival. And this prompted her mom to start driving her to competitions an hour away. She sang, like, quote, Aretha Franklin, end quote. And this is something important that a lot of non-Britney fans don't know. Brittany, when she was younger at least, had an extremely deep and powerful singing voice. Did you know that? But I did not.
1: Uh, no, not at all.
0: We will post videos or links to videos on our Instagram or website to so you can truly understand how amazing her voice was when she was little. But it is nothing like it is today. Or perhaps it is, but she has sort of two voices that she uses. One more commercial, which is her baby voice, and then her her deeper voice. And then they got, quote, talked into and, quote, doing a pageant. And Lynn, Lynn was really actually reluctant to do a pageant. She did not want Brittany to be doing it, but I think... They were trying to get Britney out there, and the fact that they were from Kentwood meant that there were going to be few opportunities, so maybe they saw it as, let's just take every opportunity we can get, and Britney actually placed near the bottom. Lynn, quote, wanted Britney to feel good about herself because of who she was and how she treated people, not because some silly pageant told her she was or was not pretty enough, end quote. That's a good point. Yeah. Surprising. It is surprising, but... (laughs) (laughs) But in a good way... (laughs) And on the Oprah interview, Lynn says that after they lost the first beauty pageant, she actually did another one and she won first place. But they never did one again just because Lynn was not into it at all. I guess they had to avenge Brittany losing. Lynn writes that she always tried to get her daughter to relax and take a break, but she just wouldn't. She was, quote, always highly motivated to excel, end quote i think that's interesting for her to add maybe she's trying to explain why she didn't force britney to take a break or why she couldn't force britney to take a break during her career many people theorize that the reason why what happened in 2007 happened was because britney was unable to take a break in the early days of her career So she would just go from one album to the next one, tour from the next. She was go, go, go. Never took time for herself. I think that her mom is trying to rationalize that here. And the psychotherapist from Inside the Dream argues that Britney may have been anxious and not energized. So Lynn describes Britney as being, you know, a ball of energy. She was very motivated. She always wanted to excel, But the psychotherapist says that it could have been anxiety and that her perfectionism was actually an attempt at controlling the outside when she couldn't control the inside. So her attempts at disappearing into make-believe worlds, so that would be when she, you know, would perform in front of her dolls, was her trying to escape her, quote, domestic reality, end quote. I think that's pretty believable.
1: Yeah. That makes
0: sense. When you stop
1: and take a break, then you have to, like, face... Your emotions. Oh, absolutely. That could also be part of the reason why she just wanted to go, go, go all the time, you know, because she had a pretty traumatic childhood.
0: Yeah. You know, so she probably didn't want to face that. No, that's a that's a good point. The psychotherapist equates always performing with trying to please her parents. The marriage's hopes of happiness rested on Brittany's shoulders. There it is again, right? The pressure for Brittany to save their marriage, to save their family. And also, apparently babies pick up on mother's anxieties, even in the womb. So, I guess the psychotherapist is trying to say that Brittany's... Brittany felt all this anxiety from her mother and what was going on with Jamie, even in the womb. That's, like, what that crystal lady said to me. Remember that? No,
1: what did she say? She said, I. (laughs) <laughs> she said I inherited, like, anxiety from my mom in the womb.
0: Wow. Crystal I, Lady could have been right. She could have been she right. She could have been right. And when Brittany performed, her dad would always be very proud and her mom would always be very happy. Right? So a little Brittany sees her dad being proud of her and her mom being happy. She sees them not arguing, not fighting. And so she's always trying to perform. It's saving her family. And keep in mind, we're, like, we're talking about a child here. We're not talking about 20-year-old Brittany. We're talking about a little girl. Lynn says that she was willing to go to competitions and take Brittany to her training as long as it didn't interfere with the family's life or work schedules. However... Dennis says that, quote, a constant treadmill of dance recitals, gymnastic classes, vocal lessons, and talent contests removed both mother and daughter from a house regularly filled with trauma, distress, and tears, end quote, which is pretty much exactly what you just said. Yeah. Dennis also claims that Lynn was living vicariously through Brittany. And I I also want to point out that Dennis sort of, he sort of seems to be demonizing Lynn a little bit in his book well-protecting Jamie. He makes a lot of excuses for Jamie and seems to paint Lynn in a negative light every chance he can get. Now, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with what what he's writing here. I'm just saying I just want people to know that and to take everything that anyone says with a grain of salt. And also, Brittany adopted Lynn's romanticism of domestic life you know, Lynn's do whatever it takes, Brittany is starting to feel the same way. The psychotherapist argues that performing for Brittany, quote, provided a place which allowed her to disconnect from her reality and to go to a place to which she can connect, avoid pain, and find freedom, end quote. And that's not just about child Brittany, that's also about Brittany, I think, throughout her whole life. Performing was her escape. As I previously stated, Lynn wants to defend herself from the, quote, claims that I was a pushy stage mother, end quote, and the psychotherapist says that Lynn's purpose in life was to, quote, find success for her daughter because she felt she'd failed in her own life, end quote. That's pretty harsh. So now we know Brittany's vocal training, dance lessons, gymnastics, all that stuff. But what about school? I get this question a lot. What about Brittany's schooling? Well, she actually went to a private school called Park Lane Academy. It was $200 a month for both Brittany and Brian to attend. She played point guard for her school basketball team. So if y'all didn't know already, Brittany was also a basketball star. She could have been in the NBA.
1: Oh my god, could you imagine?
0: And she was immaculately dressed at school or otherwise. Now, Brittany's dream of being a star to Lynn, quote, seemed like an impossible wish coming from where we come from, end quote. But when Brittany was nine, they took a chance, and they traveled to Atlanta to try out for the Mickey Mouse Club. And Lynn was pregnant with Jamie Lynn at the time, so she auditioned in front of Matt Casella, I hope that I am pronouncing that right, who discovered Ryan Gosling and some other child stars. Dennis writes that Matt describes Brittany as being, quote, the most talented eight-year-old I ever auditioned, end quote. Christina Aguilera also auditioned at this time, and both girls were told to come back and audition again in a couple of years because they were too young. Eight years old is too young to be a Mouseketeer. However, Matt ended up giving Britney's name to an agent in New York whose name is Nancy Carson. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, had also been to her talent agency as kids, and Carson was, quote, struck by the maturity and depth of Britney's vocals for someone that young. Again, Lynn wants to maybe hide how poor they were, but when they went to New York, Dennis says they actually had to go by train because they couldn't afford the airfare. It was a 30-hour trip. And when Brittany got to New York, her first question was, where are the cows? Ah, country girl. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, Lynn was pregnant when Brittany first tried out for the Mickey Mouse Club. And Jamie had actually had a vasectomy that had clearly failed because apparently, quote, God knew how much we all needed Jamie Lynn in our lives, end quote. Because Brittany really needs Jamie Lynn right now. Jamie Lynn is super. We all need
1: Jamie Lynn in our lives.
0: Such a great sister. Such a great
1: mother. Oh. Don't put that in there. (laughs) Allegedly.
0: Allegedly. Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently, Brian and everyone else was and still are, quote, goo-goo over Jamie Lynn, end quote. Yeah, yeah, we're real goo-goo over Jamie Lynn, huh? And this is sweet. Brittany and her cousin Laura Lynn became, quote, little mommies, end quote, to Jamie Lynn. And Lynn... This is strange because Lynn talks about how Jamie was a shit husband, a shit father, an alcoholic, an abuser, and then says that when Jamie Lynn was born, it was, quote, the life of my dreams, end quote. I don't know. Jamie Lynn is apparently an old soul, reserved and private. Okay. (laughs) Super private. Very reserved. Mm Mm-hmm. An old soul, for sure. After Jamie Lynn was born, Brittany Lynn and Jamie Lynn all moved to an apartment that they were renting in New York City for four months after Brittany had been chosen as an understudy for an off Broadway musical. She spent three summers getting vocal and acting coaching in New York. That was where she mastered her signature breathy vocals, according to Dennis. And this was in 1992, pretty much right after Jamie Lynn was born. Like, a year or so, more or less. Okay, so Jamie Lynn is
1: just her dad's name and her mom's name combined. Yes. I just
0: realized that. (laughs) Right now,
1: Jamie Lynn.
0: Yeah. This is pretty intense. I mean, Brittany is, I think she must be 10, and, and she is making moves, right? She's an understudy. Off-Broadway, but still, she's an understudy there in New York City, she's going to this performing arts school, Nancy Carson from the talent agency thinks that she can make it, and Dennis says that Lynn did not push or invent Britney's dreams, and that it was obvious to Nancy Carson, who knew that Britney had the motivation and the talent to make it, quote, it was Britney who was propelling her destiny, end quote, according to a friend, Lynn just had high hopes. Brittany. She wasn't pushing her to do anything. She just had high hopes. How do we feel about this? Do we think that Brittany was the one who was pushing for it? Do we just not understand that because we are not born performers? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, she
1: probably was very driven. It seems like Brittany was very driven from a young age, but it kind of seems like Lynn is like taking the blame, trying to take the blame off herself. You know, she's like, this wasn't my idea. Like, none of this was my idea. It's all Brittany.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that assessment. I think it was both of them. But at the same time, Lynn's the adult here. When enough is enough, it's up to the adult to step up and take responsibility. I'm not necessarily talking about this situation. But when Brittany was 16, 17, with baby one more time, right? That was a time when Lynn... In many situations should have stepped up and said alright let's chill out now because you're a child so before she was chosen to be the understudy in 92 she competed in a talent show called Star Search and this was basically American Idol similar similar concept so it was a quote, face off between two acts presided over by four judges who rated each performance with full stars, quarter stars, or half stars, and, quote. Christina Aguilera, Leanne Rimes, Rosie O'Donnell, Justin Timberlake, and Usher were all on Star Search. I did not know that. Did you know that? Because I was no. unaware. I never heard of this thing, this competition, or this show until I read that Britney had been on it. So is it film? Yes. It's a TV show. So Brittany actually made it to Junior Vocalist Finals and sang Naomi Judd's Love Can Build a Bridge, but lost to the other contender by a quarter star, and she cried after losing. I would too. I was looking into Star Search just because I was interested in watching her audition again. And I came across a interview from a TV special, and they interview the guy who won Star Search. And he says that Britney and another competitor were, quote, equally hateable, end quote. I just thought that was funny. I'm like, okay, dude. Isn't she a child? No, no, no. This is after Britney became famous. Oh, okay. How could anyone... How is she hateable? I don't know. She's not. This guy's just jealous that... We don't even know who this guy is. Yeah, fuck this guy. He won on Star Search. Like, he beat her, but then she became a global phenomenon, so he's just jealous. He's jealous. Anyway. Anyway. Now, this has been... This video... Now, I don't know if it went viral or if it just went viral in Britney circles or pop culture circles, but I do want to talk about it because it's creepy as hell. So, the host of Star Search starts talking to Britney after... After she sings, and, uh, let's read this. I'll be the host, you be Brittany. Okay. I noticed last week you have the most adorable pretty eyes. You have a boyfriend? No, sir. Why not? They are mean. Boyfriends? You mean all boys are mean? I'm not mean. How about me? Well, it depends. I get that a lot. Ew. That is so
1: creepy. How old is she? She's a child. 10? Ew. Yeah. She's right. Boys are mean.
0: Boys are mean. Boys suck. Why is this old grandpa asking a 10-year-old little girl to be his girlfriend? It's not charming. It's not funny. And it's not cute.
1: It's not. It's just creepy.
0: Why are you commenting on how pretty a little girl looks and then asking her about boyfriends and then after star search as I said Brittany was selected as the understudy for a musical called Ruthless which was about a quote precocious little girl Tina Denmark who will stop at nothing to reach her goal of becoming a star whilst encouraged by an equally obsessed mother end quote prophetic Brittany, as the understudy, you know, she didn't perform every night, but she was able to step in as the main character for a bit while the lead actress filmed a movie. And Natalie Portman was the other understudy. Isn't that funny? Huh. Natalie Portman. Rehearsal for Brittany started at 2 and she stayed throughout the whole performance in costume and hair and makeup and wouldn't get home sometimes until after midnight. And she had to perform on Christmas Day, which Lynn says was, quote, a tough call for a little girl, even a born performer like Britney, end quote. Now, apparently, while they were gone doing all these competitions and Britney's training and her being an understudy in New York City, Jamie had started to drink again. Now, I'm not sure if he ever actually stopped, but this is what Lynn writes. Brian called... Lynn says she realized she needed to be there because Brian is still with Jamie.
1: Oh, so they're back home and then the girls are in New York.
0: Yes, Brian is 14. He's living with his dad and he calls his mom and says, listen, I need you back home. And they went back home. Now, the way that this was written, I'm not saying this is true, but the way that it was written in Lynn's book, it kind of seems like the straw that broke the camel's back wasn't wasn't Brittany struggling with the fact that she had to perform on Christmas day, and now Christmas is very important to a little girl, especially a religious little girl such as Brittany. I think it was it was really hard for her. that's what Lynn says, but it seems more like it was Brian's call that made Lynn realize they had to go home yet again shows that. Lynn sort of dismisses her daughter's needs in regard to how much is too much. Right, so that is all that I have for today. We have reached the point where Brittany is gearing up to re-audition to become a musketeer. That will happen in 1993, and we'll discuss that in our next episode. But what do you think? Any thoughts, Feelings, questions, concerns about all this information that I just dumped on you? It's definitely a lot. Well, I kinda of feel bad for
1: Jamie. You feel bad for Jamie? Yeah, because he had a very traumatic childhood, it sounds like. But I mean I I that obviously isn't an excuse for being a horrible father. But it does give some context, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. I understand. What you're saying, and like I said, I think it's totally fine to feel for young Jamie because that is not the Jamie of today. Is there anything that is sort of shocking to you as someone who didn't necessarily know too much about Britney's childhood? Um, not really.
1: Like, I mean, I didn't know that a child could be so driven the way that people
0: are describing her at like seven years old and i think the fact that so many people so many sources have described her that way and she herself has said that she was a very driven child makes me believe that that was the case yeah it's not just her mom pushing her right but it could be both obviously a combination of things I mean, she can't drive herself to dance lessons. Yeah, she can't pay for dance lessons herself. I don't even think Lynn could pay for dance lessons, but that's another thing. Why did Lynn
1: prioritize dance lessons above basic needs, like food? Makes it seem like she was the driving force behind Brittany's stardom
0: as a child. Huh. Just a thought. Yeah, I don't really know what to say to that. But you're right. I mean, if we're to believe what she's saying and what Steve Dennis wrote, it definitely seems like she prioritized Britney's lessons over, like you said, basic needs like food. And I don't want to say she prioritized Britney over the family because that's not that's not what is happening. Because Britney isn't being fed.
1: Yeah. She's going to dance lessons. Maybe it was just her covering up that they were poor,
0: yeah, because we know that reputation means a lot to Lynn,
1: yeah, or maybe she just
0: wanted Brittany to have like a normal childhood, you know, yeah, but it wasn't normal at all in any sense no. of the word. I mean, kids definitely do extracurriculars, but Brittany was undergoing intense training,
1: yeah, that's at a school for
0: at a school for performing arts at the age of ten. It's hard to say what her intentions were because you want to support your child's dreams. But your child also needs to eat. Your child needs electricity.
1: Yeah, your child needs to rest.
0: Oh, and we are saying this from a place of privilege, obviously. Yeah. We understand that there are many, many people who do not have the privilege of feeding, being able to feed their children. We're not in any way trying to demonize them, but we're just trying to unpack this specific situation with the Spears family. I'm not exactly shocked because I I know about them, I guess. But at the same time, it's kind of like,
1: whoa. Well, I was kind of shocked because I didn't know Brittany had such a rough childhood. Like, I didn't know the extent of it.
0: Yeah, most people didn't. Most people still don't. Mouseketeer days, I think, were pretty good for her, though. So next episode maybe won't be such a bummer. Thank you again for listening. We really, really appreciate it, as we said. And if you enjoyed this episode and the last episode, or even if you didn't enjoy and you want to give us a one-star review on Apple Podcasts, please do it. We really need reviews. That's going to help boost our podcast. So whatever thoughts you have, you want to get them out there, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to on Apple podcast or any other platform, tell your friends about us, share that you're listening. So yeah. Love you. Love you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Spiritual Awakening. That's S-P-E- a r i t u a l and check out our website at spiritualawakening.wixsite.com slash podcast for all of our sources Brittany updates and more see you next time and may the holy spirit guide you